Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Ryan Glenny. Ryan is an assistant coach and a recruiting coordinator at Dallas Baptist University. We talked to Ryan today about his journey from a manager at Iowa State to being a JUCO coach and to now his role at a very successful Dallas Baptist University program. I hope you enjoyed this short but very impactful episode and that you desire to get better every day as a result. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being here, man. I know you've, you've had a full day of camp here at uh, here at Sunnybrook, your ID camp uh, for Dallas Baptist University. It, it's it is really a pleasure to have you guys in here, and uh, and I know a lot of kids are going to learn from it and learn how to deal with you know the pressure of playing and working out in front of coaches because they do it on some level on the, at the AU level and then when they get visits in the gym, but it's different when you actually have to jump rope for a coach or you get to <laughs> work on certain skills and drills and it's just a different ball game, but, uh, but no, I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you. Uh, real quick, just want to get into, you know, how you started with the game of basketball. Like who, how were you introduced to the game? Yeah. I don't remember one, specific moment. I grew up in eastern Iowa. Um, all of my cousins and uncles wrestled. Um, wow. I went to a little two-way school that went to state wrestling every year. There you go. We were never good at basketball and anything. And um, I, uh, I, don't know, I just always had a love for the game. And I was never a great player, but I was passionate. And so I just kept pursuing it. And I coached AAU and, uh, while I was a student at Iowa State for a while. And then I was a manager at Iowa State. Okay. Um, and then that kind of opened up the door to coach collegiately. Okay. Who did who did uh, who coached you while you were at Iowa State? Um, coach McDermott was our head coach. Okay. Okay. Uh, Doug. Doug's oh, dad. Doug's dad. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Greg McDermott. Papa McBuckets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good deal. Great guy. Yeah. You know, I was really fortunate. Um, we had ten managers that were already there and, I, and they said we don't need any more and I just I just begged him I said, wow. I, said I don't care about hanging out with the players I just want an opportunity um, and he was generous enough to give me that opportunity so where you're at now coach how did that prepare you for the, the position you're in now yeah you know and excuse me I'm, I'm lost my voice no, coaching. I'll do my it. best I can it's but okay um, you know at Iowa State I was only a manager my senior year so I pumped as much as I could I tried to get as much of it out of it as I could. And so yeah. um, you know, really learning to be a servant because when you're a manager at a Big 12 program, um, you're very much the last guy on the totem pole. Yeah. Um, and so just um, trying to be one of the last guys out of the office every day asking every coach, is there anything else I can yeah. do before yeah. I leave? Um, and it got to the point they were – I'm, I'm very thankful. They're, you know, they would have me. It was probably just to keep me busy. I don't know if they ever yeah. looked at it, but you know, help on scatter reports. Um, I, wow. got, I got to be at every single practice. Good deal. Um, so I just, I was just a sponge of information. It's like, yeah. okay, this is how it's done at a high level. Um, and that really kind of set the stand. Excuse me, the standard for me. So, so now in the capacity you serve in as an assistant and then as a recruiter, what? Uh, when you go see kids or you evaluate kids, 
uh, how do you, how do you go about that? Like, what did, what experience can you give another coach who's trying to get out there and understands like your role has to be? Uh, I think sometimes above all, a recruiter, a good recruiter. Yeah, that's what's going to keep you in the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't know, I guess our, our technically our recruiting coordinator. I lead all of our recruiting efforts and organize that and siphon what Coach Flickner needs to know to him. Right. Um, and I think it's really important. There's two things to really understand. One is specifically what is your head coach looking for? Right. Not even though all player like there might be a bunch of players that are D2 low major quote-unquote guys, it doesn't mean that they're all best fit for us right so understanding that and then i think really understanding levels um you know i've had a chance i was in the big 12 as a manager i've coached division two i've coached in two or three of the best juco leagues in the country and seen where a lot of those players go so understanding you know right now we've gone through spring recruiting looking at the 2020 class and have an idea of okay you know it's pretty normal for us in the fall to go up against you know, kids will have a couple low majors, you know, going after them pretty hard yeah. um, as a good Division two program. But knowing, like, okay, this kid is going to go to Texas or Tech. Yeah. No, I don't need that. This kid is maybe a Division two player, but maybe not someone that will recruit until the spring. And so trying to maximize our time and go after guys that are guys that maybe – we shouldn't get, but we can if we go early, but not wasting our time on guys that maybe aren't instant impact guys early or we just have no business recruiting in the first place. Right, right. So, you know, you're down here in San Antonio right now. What what do you think about the culture here that you've observed? Like, how, how do you kind of you, – because you're, you're coming from Dallas, who's where, where you're working at, yeah. where there's just talent everywhere. It's oozing mm-hmm. with talent. Uh, say somewhere like San Antonio or, or smaller – city how do you go in how do you go into that mindset as far as when you see kids uh that aren't necessarily like you're talking about the high division one yeah like how how do you see that as far as like here and specifically in san antonio yeah you know i mean um we've got part of the evaluating is if if you get a chance to to watch them play against other really high level talent yeah that kind of helps okay and then you know, in Central Texas, it kind of ebbs and flows, right. you know, year to year in terms of the depth of talent. Okay. Um, and so, um, but I don't get too caught up in in rankings. Like, rankings are a nice list of names for me yeah. to call on and, cr- yeah. and then gather my own information and make my own evaluation. And gotcha. so, I mean, every year in San Antonio, in Houston, there's some kid that right now is not ranked or yeah. should be ranked 50 spots higher. Yeah. that I need to dig up. Right, um, right. And so, and that's one of the nice things, like, you know, we, there's a couple kids who, you know, w- wanted to come to our camp that we got to evaluate and work with in a small group setting and see them in a different setting. Um, you know, and there are a couple guys that maybe we didn't come in recruiting that we may end up recruiting now. Yeah. Um, because you can just see, okay, when they're being coached, how do they respond to to my coaching are yeah. they pouty do they have a great attitude do they go fight through adversity well there you go, yeah. and that, that's a different setting than aau has a great purpose has a purpose high school ball has a purpose in evaluating and then a skill workout like this gives you a kind of a different view yeah so going back i guess to the scheduling part of it as far as when you go see a high school kid and he's playing against uh, good competition uh kind of mediocre or terrible competition, does that hurt your evaluation when they're playing against, say, teams that 
aren't as talented or just bad teams that they're playing against? Does, does that hurt them, or, or do you see things translating either way? Right. I think if you're diligent enough in your evaluation, it shouldn't matter um, because the last thing you want to do is punish a kid because maybe they're not in a very strong district, yeah. they're, at a, they're at a smaller school. Yeah. Um, like that's not their fault. So. The things that they can control against the competition they're going against, trying to evaluate those things and projecting that to your level and trying to figure out whether you're going up against a 6A South Dallas team or a 3A kid in the hills of Central Texas, (laughs) you know. Does what they're doing against their competition, does that translate to what we're doing at DBU? Right, right. So... Everything that you've that you've experienced in your coaching career, as far as you know, being a, a manager at, at Iowa State. Now you said you were also at a at a JUCO when I met you. You were at North Platte yeah. in Nebraska, and so what was that like? That that experience because JUCO is a whole different world, yeah. and, and and that's not just you know my opinion. That's I mean I've had guys <laughs> go JUCO and I've talked to JUCO coaches, and yeah, it's a different world. What, yeah. was, what was that like? You know, if you've la- watched Last Chance University, um, I, I may not have coached like some of those coaches. Yeah. We all have our own styles. But in terms of the day-to-day um, things that you face um, because of what the players have going on in their lives back home yeah. and how that um, affects them and ability to do schoolwork and be consistent. Um, I, th- I thought that was very real uh, in ju- junior college, and I, I think um, I'm a much better coach because of it for a, a variety of reasons. One, in junior college, you don't have a lot of resources, right. so I got to be, I got to really understand how financial aid works. I got to help our guys register for classes um, and understand what you need to graduate to go on to your next school. Yeah. Um, and then you get, I mean, there are so many different types of kids. You yeah. get guys from single-parent homes. Maybe they're the first person to attend college. Yeah. And so there hasn't been someone to model. This is what it's like to go through an admissions application, to request for transcripts, and helping them walk through that and then show, okay, a successful college student, time management. Yeah. That's no one's fault. It's just no one else has been to college. So right. trying to teach them that. And then there's other kids who maybe come from a family that has done that, but they were under-recruited. Maybe they had really good grades. And so they've got a chip on their shoulder because, and I got good grades, you know, for your school wanted me. And so, um, and you recruit internationally. I recruited a kid from all over the country, all over the world. Um, And it's just, it's a really neat experience to see 15 guys from everywhere try and mesh and, and try and, you know, go towards one common purpose. That's fantastic. You know, and I ask those things because uh, there's a lot of experiences that we have in life that kind of propel us to where we're going. And you mentioned that it, it was to your benefit to have been to have that experience. So moving forward now, what influences you to do what you do on a daily basis? Like what, what, what drives you? Yeah, I'm really fortunate um, to be at a school that has the same mission that I do. And that's... Um, to, to really try and mold and create um, Christian servant leaders. Gotcha. And so um, 
it, it's nice. I, I don't have to look over my shoulder. Yeah. That's what the school expects out of me. Yeah. And it's 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 my life goal. It's and a so, lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. So every day, um, I'm getting to mold 18 to 22, 23 year olds, um, and help them understand like this is what God has for your life. Yeah. And this is what it looks like to follow God. Yeah. Um, basketball is just a conduit to do that. It's something right. I'm passionate about. Great work. And I love, but it's not the end. It's not the end game. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's. When I when I first got into coaching, I did it because I loved my brother. You know, at the time, he was only four years old, hmm. and and I was only fifteen. <laughs> so it was like, all right, let's let's do this. And the more I learned how to coach kids, just because I loved them, just because it was my brother, right? The more I understood, like, this basketball thing isn't what it's all cracked up to be. First of all, it really is about relationships, yeah. and it really is about impacting people's lives and influencing them the best that you can. And I think, like, from what you're saying, that that's kind of your your goal moving yeah. forward. So with that being said, what is leadership within the confines of either coaching or or the way you operate at, at work with your coworkers? What does leadership mean to you? Yeah, I think you already used the word, but in whatever setting you're in, I think leadership is influence. Right. And it can be good influence. Mm-hmm. It can be bad influence. Um, but you are somehow leading someone in a certain direction. Right. Um, and so... I'm far from perfect. Um, I, Come make, on, coach. I make mistakes. You're too modest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, my goal is to be a leadership to have positive influence right. on primarily our players, um, primarily my family, my wife and children, um, and then anybody else I happen to <clears throat> I run in, come into run into contact with, you know, to have the same thing. Right. So when you say that, coach. What does that lead you into with your team? Like, I, I see coaches do things for different reasons, and and then they lead their teams to a successful season or maybe a, a season that you kind of deem as a failure. What do you, I guess, when you look at team success, how do you define that? Yeah, Coach Flickner, our head coach, has a sign in his office that I love, and I can't remember. It's, I don't know, it's Dean Smith or John Wooden, you know, one uh-huh. of those guys. Yeah. Um, but he said, you know, people always ask, well, what was your greatest team? Yeah. You know, they've got all it's these national wooden. championships. Yeah. And he said, you know, ask me 25 years after they graduate yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and see what they, let me see what they've done with their lives. Yeah. And then I can tell you what my greatest team was. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's where you can see, okay, did the influence that I had, did I use that in a way? honoring to God that allowed these guys to become great husbands, fathers, employees, um, servant-hearted people that can affect the world positively. Um, and so I, I mean, absolutely. We're trying to win a national championship. Yeah. Um, we've won three conference championships in the last four years. Yeah, a lot of success. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but I think that quote nails it pretty good. Yeah. You know, and I, I've read Wooden, I've read Dean Smith, and, you know, Wooden talks about how dentists, lawyers, doctors, like that's that's who he was coaching at the time. Like right. he wasn't coaching basketball players. Yeah. And his, I guess his Midwest upbringing really brought him to an understanding of why am I actually doing what I'm doing and, and why I'm impacting a, a generation too. Because you can say you're having an impact, but it could be a negative one. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a, a great one. And here we are all as coaches quoting him and, and had, had, had a great impact on even me personally because of what I've read and uh, and like like you're talking about just you know there's not enough emphasis put on the whole player like who are they mentally physically spiritually 
uh, emotionally. We've got a lot of kids walking around kind of with their heads down, not because they're looking at their phones, <laughs> but because somebody's not liking a picture. Somebody's not retweeting something they tweeted. Somebody, somebody's just not returning the text. They leave them on red. Right. And, and, and I think what part of that, uh, of that uh, when you're dealing with players, can you minister to them and help them with their identity? Because that's the biggest issue I've seen. Yeah, man, that's that's funny. We spent the entire spring. We do we do Bible studies once a week with our team. Yeah. And we spent probably the last two months of the spring semester before they left talking about what do you find your identity in? Yeah. And huge. everything because we talked about, you know, um, every, I mean everything you just said. Yeah. I mean. After a game, is the first thing you do. Go to your phone and see what highlights did our SID put about you and retweet that. <laughs> How many likes do you have on some yeah, picture? Yeah. Um, impressions. Impressions, yeah. <laughs> and if you're finding your identity and what other people think of you, yeah, other yeah. people will always let you down because people yeah. are flawed. Um, and so that's what we talk about. If your identity is in Christ, Christ is perfect. Christ loves us perfectly. Um, that's the only one who... Has done it right every time, yeah. and so if your identity is in Him, that that we are flawed, that He saved us, yeah. Now it's like it, it doesn't matter if I have a bad game because I know that the God of the universe still loves me. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I did something really stupid and made a poor choice because there's grace and God still loves yeah, me. Mercy, all that mercy. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's social media has created i think it's the cause there's a lot of I, i'm on it all the time yeah. um, but i think it's a lot of a cause of a lot of anxiety a lot of depression yeah. um, amongst this generation because their identity is found in retweets and likes and it's just it's not sustainable it's a it's a form of uh i don't know being a glutton for punishment in a sense right because it's like okay i'm gonna put myself out there hopefully everybody likes me <laughs> and it's like, whoa, uh, you, you got to understand by the numbers, not everybody's going to like you and not everybody's going to agree with what you're saying, first of all. Yeah. Because uh, the Twitterverse in general, the Instagram pictures, I mean, that's just, that's your take. That's your perspective on life. That's your view of it. And for you to believe that somebody's always going to just be like, oh, that's great. Yeah. It's, it leads into mental health. Mm-hmm. And, and when I think about mental health, we talk about Christ, you know, like you just did. And I think he went through all of that for us. So why do we have to go through it ourselves? Like there came a point where he even, he even experienced rejection from his father when he said, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I just think, man, how awesome would it be to convey to young people, you know, he was rejected so you could be accepted. So there's your identity. Absolutely. Be accepted. And don't feel there's a standard because he's a standard, like you said, righteousness, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so, I, you know, kind of got deep there, but love it. <laughs> uh, I, I do too, man. I could, you know, go all day. So, getting back to you in particular, coach, what do you sacrifice to do what you do and to be in the position that you're in today? Yeah, you know, it's um, probably time with my family. Um, my, I think, being um, probably a coach at any level, but for me at the college level. Mm-hmm. I've got to have a rock star of a wife yeah. who is um, on the same page and understands, yeah. you know, hey, I'm going to be gone. Um, and we got two kids that are four and one. Wow. Um, Babies. That are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it takes a really special woman to do that. And I think there's a lot of broken marriages in coaching. Tons. Um, and if it ever gets to that point where 
my marriage at stake, I'll get out of coaching. There you go. Um, cause it, it ain't worth it. No. Um, and I want to be a great husband and, and father to my wife and kids. And so that, that's probably the biggest one. Um, but, um, we, I mean, we dated for three years and I gave her probably a dozen times like, Hey, this is the rest of your life. So yeah. if you're not digging it, let's, let's make adjustments deal with it now, make adjustments now yeah. before we're married and then it's too late. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably the biggest one. Um, but it also, I also get to do something that I'm very passionate about that I've, I feel like I'm led to do. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it comes with the ter- territory sometimes when, yeah. you, when you think about recruiting, having to be on the road, right. having to fly here, fly there. And then like what you talked about earlier about your resources, like you're, sometimes you're limited on where you can fly to to see a player. And I think that kind of speaks to the whole idea of a local recruit, regional, regional recruit, yeah. national recruit. So uh, I, I think the sacrifice I'd like, I always like for kids to know about what coaches sacrifice to do what they do because I think sometimes kids have the the perception that you know coaches just walk in the gym and they and they sit there with their judgmental frame of mind and they're just thinking I don't like him I don't like him I want him I want him but not understanding like there's just so, so much so much more that goes into it and the time the hours uh, now as far as as at practice uh, game days the schedule can get really hectic. Uh, how do you, how do you find yourself in all that? Like, how do you find peace in all that? And how do you not get caught up in, in a somewhat of a a rat race and get lost in that? Yeah. I think you've really got to constantly reiterate to yourself what's most important. Yeah. And so when I do have time to be with my family, I need to be very intentional. Right, um, right. I'm very fortunate to be at DBU with Coach Flickner, um, where like he wants to be out of practice every day, no later than five or five thirty. Wow. And so I get to go home at night when we don't have games, yeah. um, and I take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, and so I I still work more hours than the average nine to five, eight to five yeah. job. Um, but in terms of college coaching, I'm very fortunate. Um, in terms of life balance and college coaching, I'm able to have someone. The coach was like, "Hey, you need to go home." Yeah. You know? And so my boss is telling me that. My wife's telling me that. Um, <laughs> and on I, the same page. And I, yeah, <laughs> and I need that because yeah. I think as men we want to provide for our families and yeah. and work really hard, um, you know, and pay, pay provide for the bills and everything. But at the same time, we need to do that. But at the same time, if you're doing that, but it ends up spiting your family. Yeah. You're, yeah. It, it negates the, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think we just really got to be intentional, reminding ourselves what's most important. Yeah, that that's uh, it's across the board. I think you have a healthy life when you can understand. Well, first of all, you have a happy life when you have a happy wife. Amen. There goes, <laughs> there goes that. And uh, I think you have a happy life when you understand, like you're talking about balance, when you understand about time management. Yeah. I and mean, that's what we teach these kids. Because when they go to you, coach, they need to know time management to be successful students and athletes, uh, rest, all that stuff that comes along with it. And I just don't think that's emphasized enough, but thank God we're there to help emphasize it. Yeah. so my, my next and my last question, because I know I know you, your voice is already on the brink. What uh, what do you want your legacy to be, Coach, when it's all said and done? Like like people say, oh, that, that Ryan Glennie, he was, you know, and then what, what, what would you what do you want your legacy to be, Coach? Yeah, you know, it's um, I really don't care how many wins I get or All Americans I coach. Yeah. Um, my hope because I've heard so many stories of 
people with the giant estates and all this money and they're on their deathbed and all yeah. of a sudden it's just they have this realization like none of this really mattered yeah you can't take it, it with you yeah you can't take it with you um my, my hope and prayer is that um whenever my time is up you know and i'm gone god says you know well done good and faithful yeah. servant you all want to hear that whatever whatever god you know entrusted me with that mm-hmm. i was a steward of that in yeah. terms of um having influence in a way that honors him yeah um and so that would be my, my biggest hope that's fantastic coach i think that's uh that's something that I, I kind of <clears throat> kind of go well, work along the same lines uh, because I feel like whatever program I'm a part of or I start or whatever, uh, it's got to be something where it's like, you know, God put this in my hands. I got to steward it. And however I steward it is going to be kind of rewarded at the end of the day, it, whether it's now or later. But uh, always kind of having them in my mind, always knowing, like, I got to consider all my ways with him right. and not just work in, here in, in a silo uh, kind of, you know, doing my own thing and then t- convincing myself later, oh, that's what God wanted. Right. Oh, that's the right thing because we can all, I mean, the Word of God says it real clearly, we can all be right in our own eyes mm-hmm. and we can all make excuses and justify our own actions. Uh, so with that, Coach, man, I really appreciate your time. I really do. I know it was kind of quick, but, man, it, it was good. And, and I think it was something that I had reached out to you a while back to, to come on and, and I'm here again, having known you now for the last probably four or five years now, uh, I think at the when we first met, we like that, yep. and, and I felt like there's a connection, and I definitely wanted to have you on once I got this thing up and running. So here again, I appreciate your time, Coach. God bless you and your family. I pray that you get more time with them. <laughs> I pray that you get more rest because you guys, you guys, we're here in our in our sauna of a gym today. Yeah, man. Uh, but, uh, but here again, thank you. Yeah, I'm grateful you. for the opportunity. Thanks a lot, yes, Mike. sir. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Thank you.